0: Hello everyone, I don't think I've ever been more excited to wish you all a happy new year and to be bringing you new episodes of Solving Water, a Xylem podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, and I'm grateful for the continued opportunity to raise awareness about the criticality of the water industry to the overall health, safety, and advancement of society. Solving Water looks a little different this year, but the primary goal of the podcast remains the same, to make water more accessible, both literally and figuratively by sharing the latest info on the industry's hottest topics, fresh perspectives from leading water experts, updates on programs and initiatives dedicated to solving the global water crisis, and of course, discussions that entertain and educate. In 2021, we're excited to interview new guests and experiment with show format to keep episodes fun, interesting, and informative. We also want to hear more from you, so be sure to write me at amanda.holloway at xyleminc.com with your ideas and also look forward to some Q&A sessions this year. If you're new to Solving Water, thanks for tuning in. If you're already an avid listener, thanks for your support. It's going to be a great year. All right. Good morning. I'm Amanda Holloway, and I'm thrilled to be back hosting Solving Water in 2021. I'm kicking off this year in style with two special guests, Mark Hansel, Vice President of Government Affairs for Xylem, and Eric Saperstein with ENS Resources. Eric is Xylem's federal policy advocate, and he and Mark work closely together in Washington, which is actually the basis of our discussion today, an update on all things water industry related and what's happening in Washington. So welcome to you both, and thank you so much for being here. I hope you had an awesome Holiday and the New Year is off to a good start. Um, Mark, you're a regular on solving water, so you, you kind of know the drill here. But if you can just remind our audience of your role in the company and in how you work with Eric, and then you can kick it over to Eric to give some background.
1: Thank you very much, Amanda. And as always, it's, it's a thrill to be back doing another one of these podcasts with you. So they've they've just been a great way to communicate, and have absolutely loved the opportunity. So, uh, as you said, I'm Mark Hansel. Um, I am Xylem's Government Affairs Vice President. Um, my primary responsibilities are to, you know, follow regulatory as well as business opportunities in, in Washington and to make sure that people know who Xylem is and um, that we are a resource for them when they have questions or concerns or needs relating to water. Um, I've been with Xylem since its start in 2011 and was with the predecessor company to Xylem ITT for Uh, 28 years before that. So I've been around the block a few times, but uh, most of my career has been spent on the product management or sales management side of the business. So a lot of involvement throughout the business up and down. But uh, for the last two years, I've been in this role and have had the pleasure of of working with Eric Zaperstein. Eric is a tremendous resource for us in Washington. And uh, I'm just going to kick it to Eric and let him introduce himself a little bit further. So Eric, all yours.
2: Well, thank you, Mark. And thank you, Amanda. So I guess uh, for introduction purposes, I've spent the last 25, 30 years uh, working in Washington, um, doing advocacy work uh, representing the Environmental Protection Agency way back when. And um, and working with freight associations dedicated to the promotion of improved water quality, Essentially an approved uh, uh, lifestyle for the country at large through public agencies delivering critical water sources. Um, our work, if you if you want to sort of say, well, what is it, what does a federal advocate do? How does it help xylem? I think after the four years, you know, at federal advocacy, uh, representation lobby, whatever you want to call it, has sort of become a sort of skeptical activity when it comes to getting things done, like how is it done. I think what I would like to leave folks with at the outset is a thought that what advocacy is, is enshrined in the constitution. And that is that every citizen has the right to petition their government. So what we do from a day-to-day activity on behalf of Xylem is to promote Xylem's goals, Xylem's mission as part of federal objectives, policy, regulations, with the end being the improvement of quality of life to improve water quality through drinking water supplies, and just general uh, addressing the needs of the nation at large. And I would also say that what we do at the federal level clearly goes down to the state and the local level because the policies that we put in place actually deliver results at the end user need.
0: Well, fantastic. That's a great background. And, um, you know, just to kind of start off the the conversation, just curious of, of an overall uh, update on what are some primary areas of focus right now, because I'm sure you guys have not been busy whatsoever in the last 18 months.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a great question, Amanda. And, um, you know, certainly I think that one of the, the key things we want to point out is that, you know, our our overall goal is is to create a world where water's you know clean for everybody, affordable. Um you know, and and that everyone has equal access to clean water. So I mean a lot of our government affairs objectives primarily focus on those exact objectives. I think uh if if you go back to, you know, where where are the roots of it, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we want to make sure people know who Xylem is. Xylem, you know, we're one of the largest water based companies in the world. We have multiple solutions for just about any problem. And so, but we aren't a household name. You know, we aren't like the you know a refrigerator brand or things like that. So I think that's the the thing that a lot of our work has just been education, educating people who we are and making sure that our knowledgeable, our our policy experts are subject matter experts have opportunities to speak to government officials or elected officials to help them answer their questions, solve their problems, et cetera, et cetera. So um, water is just an absolutely amazing subject in Washington. Um, I know one of the things that that I've have just been astounded with is how many federal departments have interest in water related matters. It's not just one. It's not just two. It's not just three. It's more like five, six, seven. So, um, you know, that leaves a real broad area of, you know, opportunity for us to actually be out working with people and making sure that they know who Zalem is. So um, one last thing I just threw out there, you know, a big subject, I think infrastructure, you know, water infrastructure is critical to supplying clean water. And I think if I had to say, you know, what's been our most important effort I would just say the word infrastructure because um, it's a a word used a lot in Washington, and a you know a lot of people say we need to invest in infrastructure, and water absolutely needs to be part of it. So you can imagine that's been our focus. So Eric, I hit the high points. Anything else you dive into uh, deeper?
2: You just say as an aside, you know what we do is is melding as Mark was demonstrating, melding the technical with the policy and what's achievable. But what's interesting is as an aside when we first started doing this for Xylem with Mark, we would go to the Hill or to the federal agencies. And sometimes little things in life are the, as as a kid might say, the funnest thing, because we would sit down with folks and one of our tests would be, okay, let's see who actually knows what Xylem means when we have a discussion. And it's amazing um, both how many people ask, hey, what does xylem mean exactly? And then the handful of people say, I remember xylem from my biology and botany classes of high school and college. So that's sort of a fun element of working the issues on the hill or before the agency. You sort of know who's who's smart about these issues in some respects because of their knowledge of what xylem's name actually means.
0: Well, that's cool. I I um I'm gonna take a left turn here because I'm just really curious myself, but um, it would be great if you could explain or describe a, a, a typical day in the life. So um, pre-COVID, Mark, you would travel to Washington, meet up with Eric. And how would you just, is it just back-to-back meetings with various agencies? Do you sit down and is it like more like working sessions? It would just be great to kind of understand how that looks.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a, great, a great question, Amanda. And um, I, I, I would jokingly call it a track meet because if you've ever been to Washington and and called on elected officials, they are spread in office buildings all around rimming the US Capitol. And it's like a half mile across. And I used to joke that Eric used to test me because we would have one meeting on one side and we'd have 15 minutes to make it to the other side. And, you know, Eric's a master. He knows all the tunnels. He knows all the shortcuts. And I would just be hanging on trying to keep up with them. But, uh, you know, typically, yes, Eric and his team would put together a series of calls. Um, you know, we did a lot of focus initially just on people who were from districts where we had big facilities, as you can imagine, where we have big footprint would be. You know, an area, someone we would want to make sure knew who we were. After that, we focused on people that were in leadership committees on water and wastewater initiatives. But uh, you know, those calls, they uh, they could be with the elected official. They could be with a legislative director, they could be with a legislative aide. You know, we we would have all sorts of meetings, but uh, typically we would start off with a, an introduction to who xylem is. We talk about, you know, where we where we operate out of, you know, what's our business, who we are, how many employees, you know, tip of just some company background. Typically, we'd also include some information about Watermark, our you know just because it's such a a social effort on you know our social responsibility program and um, you know growing importance in the U.S. because we have been expanding the scope in the U.S. But we'd make sure we talked about that. And then afterwards, we would we would get into important topics for xylem. So we would advocate for increased funding, increased support of water and wastewater financing programs that are currently in place, but are the lifeblood of the, the water and wastewater agencies who rely on low interest loans in order to be able to modernize or upgrade their existing systems. You know, so there's a just a vast amount of federal funding programs, you know, WIFIA, SRF, you know, we could just go off into acronym, you know, area and, and just start firing them up. But those, you know, we would just advocate for more support of those programs because they, as I said, they're the lifeblood of the industry. And then after that, we would talk about, you know, other key areas for us. And Amanda, we're gonna talk a little bit more about smart water infrastructure here in a moment, but um, that's certainly been one of our key topics that we'd, we'd spend a lot of time advocating. Why is smart water infrastructure important? Um, what's needed to accelerate adoption of smart water infrastructure, you know, and so we'll get into that moment, but that those are the type of things that we talk about. And and lastly, we close with uh, invitations to come visit our facilities or just reference us as a a media or a a consultant in the future if they had questions or issues on water. So, uh, you know, those visits are not long, 15, 20 minutes, but, um, you know, we try to make the most of them. And uh, I think it's been amazing the fact that people have remembered us after those calls, they have followed up with us. We've had several, you know, site visits. We've had several questions, and we have built relationships. And I, I just want to say we couldn't do these kind of things without Eric's team, Eric's effort, and his team's effort because of the groundwork they lay in advance of me coming to Washington. So oh, that's, very uh, that's, kind of
2: that's very kind of you. But let me interrupt you and suggest to you no. that part of the. Part of the issue of getting your your job done in Washington, and this really is both pre-COVID and even now post-COVID or during COVID actually, is someone like a Mark Hansel who has the ability to translate as the individual who is the face of the company because I am, I hate to say it this way, but I am a hired gun and I can do my job on behalf of Zyland very well, but I can't overstate the importance of the actual person who is the company making the explanations known to the Hill staff. That's the first thing. And Mark is able to sort of, I call it, bridge the gap between corporate activities and public policy activities in a way that makes sense to somebody who is sitting at a desk in Washington with the phones ringing and congressional hearings being called and the boss Say, get in my office. I got to know how to vote on this, and so the ability to just hit the high points and it's an iterative process, if you will, and that's what really makes it work. You build upon these visits and communications.
0: Wow, fantastic. That's awesome insight. I just, I just have always been curious about that, and I know it's not specific to an actual uh, policy or legislation to talk about, but. I am going to shift into that, and I know we all have a little bit of pandemic fatigue here, but um, I just want to touch on one of the bigger topics um, and how it affects, affects our stakeholders, um, and that is the AIM Act, which was passed on December 28th. I'm wondering, uh, either Eric or Mark want to give a, an overview of what that entails and, and how it's going to impact the economy and, and our
2: stakeholders specifically.
1: Eric, you want to take a crack at it? Sure. I think
2: uh, overall, the the passage and enactment of the AIM Act is a classic example of what gets done in Washington. Everybody has read the papers and, and the challenges of getting that, that fourth package of assistance through and signed into law. And so what we came out with was a, a paired back package of assistance. But most importantly, that package of assistance maintained current Uh, COVID assistance type activities that were expiring, like the Paycheck Protection Program that provided um, critical loans to small businesses, medium-sized businesses. Um, So that's an important piece of the puzzle to keep the country moving forward and staying out of an economic uh, rut, if you will, or at least minimizing how deep that rut is. But I think the other thing to keep in mind uh, from uh, asylum-specific purpose of activities is they included, meaning Congress and the White House, they included language to, break, for the first time ever, to provide ratepayer payer assistance to water utilities, electric utilities, due to the pandemic's impacts on folks' ability to pay their utility bills. So that's important because as everything in Washington goes, the minute you get your foot in the door, it's very hard to kill a program. I don't mean that in a cynical way. I mean, we have now... Um, put in place a program that can serve as the basis of doing something more long-term to ensure that water access for all is available without straining the uh, state or local governmental entities. The other thing to keep in mind is the extended um, efforts to address basically uh, paid family leave, uh, unemployment, things of that sort. So at the end of the day, building blocks on December 28th to go to the next phase that the Biden administration has released to sort of put on steroids the way to deal with the pandemic over the next several months. That's what the AMAC does. It gives the basis to move forward to do more things. And I would note that the AMAC, many of the provisions that are in there would be, as I said, put on steroids under the under the President Biden approach, the American Rescue Plan, for example, $5 billion to support ratepayer assistance. That's a lot of money. In California alone, they're project- projecting maybe a billion dollars in arrearages on utility bills because of the pandemic. So these are the types of things that the AIM bill puts in place and that we expect to be built upon. Mark, did I miss any important? No,
1: issues? I, yeah, I think you got it, Eric. You know, Amanda, I think, um, you know, I think the the most important thing I would just put out for you know our listeners is just that uh, you know if you're a small business owner, I think you need to to consult with your tax advisor, your accounting advisor, um, because there are many aspects of financial support that are available in this program for small businesses as well as individuals. So um, many of them go deep into the tax code, so it's not stuff that we have time to cover here today. But I think you know just understand that. You know, the AM Act is intended to provide more coronavirus relief, keeping people employed um, and and keep businesses in business. So uh, don't hesitate to research it further just to find out what is available for your individual situation.
0: And I know, Mark, you were mentioning uh, just before we started recording um, there are some uh, components of this act that um, are specific to schools and HVAC systems. so there are some elements that are pretty um, pretty targeted to our our industry.
1: Absolutely, Amanda, And I think um, you know a lot of these programs are still details that are going to be forthcoming, but um, the, there is specific provisions in there that the federal government is going to provide states money to provide school districts, money to upgrade their HVAC systems to make them, um, you know, less conducive to transmitting the virus. And I think, uh, you know, this has a lot to do with, you know, I talked about infrastructure. Well, a lot of HVAC system in schools, it's old infrastructure, it's been there a while. Uh, they recycle a lot of air, and that raises the potential that they could be circulating, you know, the virus. So um, the intent of this is to, you know, put in systems, you know, whether it's an ultraviolet system, whether it's a way to bring more fresh air in, but to upgrade those systems to make schools safer for our teachers and, and students alike. Uh,
2: Mark, I'd also say that if there is a silver lining in the pandemic, uh, what the AMAC and its predecessor laws, good, and what we expect happening in the next year's time, put a light on what we need to do in this country with respect to both economic as well as social needs, working through things like water for all. And I, and I think that's one of the things that we're going to see from a policy perspective going forward is how how do you integrate the social needs would the call it the environmental improvement needs. And I think that's what COVID on a silver lining basis delivers.
0: That's a great, <laughs> that was a great segue. I was going to ask, you know, your overall thoughts about, is this the sort of the last iteration of, of the COVID-19 um, stimulus type uh, activity? Or do you think that there's going to be, you know, more forthcoming as we sort of write out the, the drudges of the pandemic here.
1: Well Eric, you want to take a crack? I mean, obviously we've got a new administration, so it's a whole new a whole new day starting yeah. yesterday. So
2: so so we made reference earlier to the American Rescue Plan and you know, it's an ambitious two trillion dollar initiative of many of the issues in that that make up that plan Mark touched on, I touched on. But again, it's on steroids as I said earlier. I think First of all, we will see more reaction and more action because of the pandemic, as you said, Amanda, getting to the bottom of it and working our way out. Um, clearly, going forward, over the next 100 days, it's all about COVID. I mean, we can see that after 24 hours of a Biden administration where they're headed. Following that, I think, again, the silver lining, we're going to see infrastructure of some sort take these sort post position, if you will, legislative priorities in the summer. And so we will continue to see building upon the COVID responses, other activities, and I think water and safe water supplies will be the key, one of the key areas.
0: Well, and that tees you up perfectly, Mark, to get into kind of our our flagship uh, uh, piece here that we're talking about today, which is smart water infrastructure and, and some of the hard work that you and, and Eric have been doing. Um, for quite some time now.
1: No, thank you, Amanda. And uh, yeah, perfect tea up. But uh, I, I have to say that um, you know, it was it was a very eye-opening experience for me going into Washington and and you know talking about you know some of Xylem's technologies, some of the things that we can do. And I think one of the most you know you know. Eye-opening experiences, Eric. You remember the day we, we went and called on the EPA and we're talking with a you know a high-level administrator in, in the water area. And and they the answer the question they asked us was, what can you guys do to get more people to adopt smart water solutions for their infrastructure problems? Okay, this is the EPA asking us. And and you know, the the person clearly said, you know, we we love these, these are great solutions for problems that exist around the country and they help EPA funding dollars go further. So how can we get more people to use them? And I think to me that was the tee up for our smart water infrastructure initiative. And, uh, you know, just to explain, you know, what, what is it that we're talking about? Well, you know, the way that the the world works you know all of our water customers water and wastewater customers they have you know enormous amounts of infrastructure they have pumps they have treatment equipment they have pipes they have you know just massive infrastructure and they are constantly working to keep those systems operating you know we can't have clean water unless those systems operate. we can't be treating wastewater unless we you know have those systems operating But the problem is, is that, you know, they never get to the point that they look, well, how do I modernize my system even further? You know, they just keep that infrastructure up. They aren't doing modernization. So um, what we started talking about, you know, early on and when the pandemic started was, was that if there was going to be a major infrastructure program, we needed a separate program stood up by the EPA to encourage water and wastewater utilities to use smart water solutions to their problems. And uh, I'm gonna pause there for a minute, Eric, and give me a minute to catch my breath and take over sure. from here.
2: Well, you know, what's interesting about this whole process is it's it's both intuitive as well as empirically based in getting things done. Um, you know, Mark is an engineer by training and I mentioned how he's able to straddle the two corporate policy environments. One of the benefits of working with Mark is that he has, and I don't mean this to denigrate the engineering profession at large, but he has an ability to think intuitively, not just empirically. And that's part of what happened with smart water infrastructure, is the concept of it made sense. But then people started thinking about, oh, could we do this? Could we do that? And it built upon itself. And I think that's one of the pieces of successful advocacy that we have been doing, which is you seize those opportunities and you can recognize them. And there may not be enough data from a policymaking position to say, oh, this is going to happen. But then lo and behold, working with folks, you build upon their initial reactions and then you give them the data, you give them the justification. And that ends up being... In, in the best of all worlds, legislative language, right, Mark? And then, lo and yep. behold, we had HR two,
1: right? So HR two, is, you know, this was the the House Infrastructure Bill that was passed. Oh, when was it, Eric? August, I think. Yes. Um, and and so our efforts, starting really in late March, early April, was you know really working with key water leaders and some of the key federal committees, you know, in the House side, saying, "Hey, listen, you know, we would." strongly recommend that you incorporate a smart water infrastructure program in whatever infrastructure program you're going to do. And, uh, we were able to develop some, some great legislative leads who were our sponsors that, you know, took language that, you know, well, let's just say I may have started it in engineering speak and then Eric converted it to DC speaker, us, you know, uh, legislative language. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, Amanda, you can imagine lobbying via Zoom calls, meeting with staff, meeting with, you know, anybody that would talk to us, trying to build a coalition of support to to get these specific, you know, and, and the language includes, you know, Uh, basically a description, what are the technologies that are incorporated in smart water technology? So it includes things like smart water meters. It includes things like acoustical pipe sensing to determine where pipelines are bad, rather than digging up 12 miles, you can just dig up one mile. Uh, It Includes things like using smart sewer systems like uh, Xylem has put in, in in numerous places around the country. We've got a lot of early adopters, but there's so many more communities that could use the benefit of that. But obviously, you know, we're not just advocating for xylem technology solutions. We're saying, hey, there are other companies that do these things too. So the language is written in a generic format that just says these are smart infrastructure solutions that communities need to be implementing and you know standing up a separate fund to do it. Eric, so what do we get done in HR2? Go ahead and describe it to Amanda.
2: So HR two, which was known as the Moving Forward Act was the House of Representatives approach to massive infrastructure investments. And what we achieved, um, it really is a credit to Xylem's mission, if you will, to advance the technologies of, of treating water. What we achieved was to leverage the interest in both internet capabilities and shall we say, modernizing uh, the nation's water infrastructure by creating a program that would give grants to public agencies to adopt innovative technologies like Mark mentioned earlier. And why that's important is, and this gets in sort of the weeds of Washington DC, for years, we've been talking about doing green infrastructure, doing um, disadvantaged community assistance, And the response in Washington has always been, good, let's do a set aside, for example, from the core water infrastructure funding program, the State Revolving Loan Fund program, we'll just take two or 3% and dedicate to that. What we achieved was a recognition by Congress that in the final analysis, we need to stand up a separate program and not cannibalize other programs. So that's the important thing. So now we have a, a benchmark, if you will, to move forward in the next infrastructure debate in the coming months that would create a bigger hopefully program of adopting water technologies through direct grant assistance to local agencies.
0: Wow, so that is a very big deal. Maybe you can expand on the timeline a little bit for our listeners. So, you've achieved some things in 2020. It looks like uh, there's more to come in 2021. Can you talk about the timeline and when we can start to see some of these things move forward?
1: Timelines are always a challenge in Washington, Amanda. So, I mean, obviously, you know, um, we were thrilled to get HR2 um, and, and get our language incorporated in HR2. Um, you know, that was the House bill. It was approved by the House, um, but it was not adopted by the Senate. And um, we shifted our effort from the House to the Senate once H.R. 2 passed. And uh, we had hopes that we might get some traction in some of the late meetings of, of the Senate at late in the year. But obviously, the, you know, the election, the Georgia runoffs, all sorts of things contributed. And uh, there was no further discussion on infrastructure spending. But uh, yeah. it's a new day going yeah. forward. I think, um, you know, we're, we're now a day after President Biden's inauguration. And, uh, you know, we expect to resume our efforts. And, uh, you know, our as Eric said, I think, you know, getting language in HR2, we're already seeing other language being put into bills that copies what we put into HR2. So we're getting adoption. People are recognizing that this is important. And so um, I think, you know, where do we go with infrastructure? You know, is there a new House bill? Is there a new Senate bill? Um, you know, those are all things that we're focusing on. And uh, we've got a lot of effort in place already. And I think we're well positioned. So, Eric, what else did I, did I well, miss?
2: I, you know, the cliche of the uh, crystal ball, this one's either a little hazy or it's cracked, trying to predict what's going to happen. But I think we can make some assumptions. Uh, first of all, uh, looking at what the Biden folks have been saying over the last 24 hours or leading up to the inauguration, it's COVID for the first hundred days. Maybe there'll be some things that you know indirectly address what we're talking about today. But I think it's more realistic to assume that we get through the pandemic needs first and then say June, April, May, June, July they really start putting the uh, work together on an infrastructure bill. I think from a building, the putting the pieces together, you'll see legislation introduced in the coming weeks uh, by any number of members of Congress to uh, set the stage for action later this spring. And I think, Mark, it's fair to say that what we have learned, and this is the value of what we do, what we have learned from senior officials or staff in Congress, is that they will have hearings on what the package should look like. They're not just going to lay down a piece of legislation and jam it through the House and the Senate. So it gives us an opportunity over the next several months to promote xylem issues of concern.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, Eric. And um, you know, I think uh, you know the the future bright. I think Amanda. I think um, you know we we know that this is going to be a topic of discussion, and uh, you know, I think you know, some of the things, Amanda, that, you know, some of the things we've done is that, Amanda, I'm sure you know that Xylem has a lot of written case studies about early adopters on these smart water technologies that we're talking about. And, uh, you know, those, you know, where I can talk for five or seven minutes about them, you know, really, you know, once we, you know, that's we're like, we, we got dangle the hook, and then we set the hook with the case studies, because those case studies, you know, they just talk about, how much money was able to be saved by using technology rather than old methods of construction, which may have solved the problem, but they they cost a lot of money. And, you know, Amanda, every time we're working on anything, how much money is always the question. So certainly, you know, I think, you know, it's fair to say that uh, our elected officials are concerned about Money and budgets and you know things like that. So I think that's been one of our biggest draws: is that we can help stretch federal dollars and help them go further by using these technologies.
2: But Mark, don't you think at the end of the day, it's all about educating folks? Um, if you, I think it's fair to say, if you've got a persuasive argument that makes sense and fits within the current policy debate, you know, there's no secret. Uh, in getting things done or advancing it. You just have to be able to to make your case persuasively and to demonstrate how it will improve folks' circumstances.
0: Well, I just want to say this has been a, a really wonderful conversation. I am... Um... Uh, trying something a little new this year with Solving Water and just uh, asking you both uh, the same question. And I'll be asking this question of all of our guests just to kind of get your take on it. Um, and that is, uh, what is the most important thing you've learned in this business so far? Um, so Mark, why don't you uh, lead us off and then Eric, you can you can finish up. No,
1: I, I, I think, you know, for me, Amanda, it's just, you know, it's basic essential. Water is so important to everything, to everybody, whether it's a business, whether it's a person, whether it's a family. And um, I think you know, from that perspective, you know, that means it's it's a subject that people want to always talk about. Everybody who's concerned about water, you know, we, we all have heard the horror stories of, you know, the Flint, Michigan issues and things like that. And, and everybody now understands with the pandemic going on, how important, you know, having clean water so you can wash your hands and prevent the disease from spreading further is so critical. So I think, you know, just for me, you know, I I kind of grew up on the building side of the water business where water is used to, you know, conduct BTUs. Well, you know, I've I've evolved into this person who now understands, you know, the true value of water just to every living being and I think, you know, that's just has an enormous impact on on me and everything I try to do every day.
2: I would say just from an overarching view of the world, water has move from sort of an afterthought you know uh, the only time in the past that we've had water front and center is when there's a crisis and you know mark's point about Flint is an example uh today of the crisis but we had the tools to fix that crisis and and now it's no longer oh yeah water water is front and center in the infrastructure debate in the policy making debate in the regulatory debate uh, whatever you look at people understand that water is i would like to say almost like the canary in the mine shaft when it comes to climate change if we can't address our water issues then we don't address climate change and that's one thing i've noticed lately is that evolution of thinking about water
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your perspective, both of you. Uh, It was a pleasure to talk to you today. I'm so grateful to be able to start our year out with you. More information about smart water infrastructure can be found in the show notes. Email me at amanda.holloway at xyleminc.com to share your ideas and feedback. Thank you both for your time. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe.